Well, hey there, City Gators. Uh, Vic here. I'm going to be speaking today. And if you're a guest at one of our watch parties, uh, so thankful that you got to join us. And of course, if you're a guest online, uh, hopefully you've already said hi by uh, leaving a note in the comment field. Um, we are about to finish this series out of the first letter that Peter wrote. And uh, today is the second last sermon. And then after um, this, uh, this series, uh, we will take a break for a couple of weeks. Uh, one of those weeks will actually have Tom Wolfe, as you may have heard in the announcements, uh, a friend of ours who lead a church in Alliston, just north of Toronto. Uh, he'll be one of the guest speakers as well. And then we have a few other people preaching various messages, uh, but no specific series, uh, as we just take a little bit of a breath and a breather before uh, we kick things off again in the fall. Um, and so, yeah, if you have your Bibles with you, do turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read from the second half of verse 5 all the way through to 11. Uh, and if there's a title to, today, to today's message, it is this, humble pie and a prowling predator. Humble pie and a prowling predator. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, follow along with me. Of course, the words will be up on the screen too. Um, verse 5b. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Won't you join me as I pray? Lord, we thank you so much for these words. Uh, would you help us today by your spirit to see Jesus and to ultimately see also your purposes for us in these verses? And would, uh, would you come and change us and actually turn us into what these verses instruct us to be? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the strangest dreams that I can remember having, uh, it hasn't actually happened for quite some time, but I do remember being young uh, or in my younger years having this kind of recurring dream. dream. And I, I, uh, I think that it's fairly common, you know, as I've spoken to people uh, about this, they've all said, yeah, I've had it too. And it is uh, the dream where you find yourself stark naked in public. And it doesn't matter how much you try and hide, uh, the bush is always too small, or even if you're trying to get behind something big like a vehicle, uh, there's always people behind you and they can see your exposed backside. Um, and you just feel inc incredibly vulnerable in this dream, very uh, exposed, you know, and embarrassed. Uh, and it's, a, it's, it's really not a dream, it's more like a nightmare, <laughs> actually. And so, um, you know, why am I telling you the story? Well, actually, uh, Peter here encourages us to be clothed uh, with humility. He says, uh, you know, clothe yourselves with humility. And, 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 and he's making the point that actually humility should be a priority, <laughs> much like uh, clothing uh, in, in the real world is, is pretty important. You know, having some of it on you kind of helps with your social interaction. Um, 
humility is as important um, so that, uh, you know, you find yourself appropriately dressed, you know, for living out your faith, living out your, your uh, faith as a follower of Jesus. And, um, you know, you just keep going on that clothing analogy. It requires some intentionality as well because, you know, we change our clothes, we take it off, we put it back on. And so I think that there's uh, an instruction for us to, to, to be intentional about being humble and, and clothing ourselves with humility so that we don't forget our humble hat, you know, at home, or we don't forget uh, humility or forget to, to clothe ourselves and find ourselves, you know, missing this important piece of clothing in our spiritual attire, so to speak. And, um, and then he carries on by saying it's a good idea to clothe yourself with humility because he says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, uh, and that sounds like a good idea. I mean, who does not want God to be on their side? And often when I have had conversations with people even about uh, God and about Jesus, uh, sometimes the objections against wanting to follow him and su surrender their lives to God is, is sometimes the, the accusation that feels like God's against me. It feels like he's not on my side. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, for that very reason, I'm not too sure if I'm interested in, in, in submitting myself to him and following him, you know. Um, but actually, the, the answer to, to a problem like that is, is given to us very clearly in these verses. It says, humble yourself. Humility is the key to have God on your side, to have God extend grace towards you. And uh, I don't know if you noticed it here, but the way that Peter talks about humility here, um, you know, it can sometimes seem to be a bit of a, an abstract idea, but it has a trajectory, at least in the way that he speaks about it here. We can think of humility as like a self-deprecating kind of an inward thing, you know, look inwards and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and that, you know, some of it is, is correct, okay, but, but, the, but the way it's described here is it's more of, of, a, of an outward trajectory. First of all, the, the two directions that I've noticed here is he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and, and, and kicked off here in verse 5, the end of it saying, have humility toward one another. So there's this under God and this toward one another. Um, and we're going to look at under first and then we'll look at the trajectory of being, uh, you know, having humility towards others. And, um, you know, the, the, whole, the whole idea of humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, that actually may to to some of you maybe you're a guest you're not a christ follower uh, you might think that sounds terrible okay you're saying there's this mighty hand of god and you're telling me that i must put myself underneath his mighty hand that sounds like an opportunity to be crushed it sounds like actually that that's 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 where you should not go you should run from that um, but as we read these verses it actually says that that instead of it being an opportunity for us to be crushed in, if in humility we put ourselves under his mighty hand his mighty hand actually carries us. It's the one that ultimately exalts us. It doesn't keep us down, but we see here that actually he gives grace to the humble and, and, um, and he brings us through. The, you know, the end verses here speaks of restoration and strengthening and being established. And so uh, don't be fooled by the mighty hand of God being something you should be afraid of. Actually, it's the safe hand you can place yourself under in humility. And, uh, and, and you know, it, again, he says, because at the proper time, God may and God will exalt you uh, as you humble yourself under his mighty hand. And, and some might think, yeah, you know, my life experience been that of the, I've not experienced exalting, you know. Uh, actually, I feel like I'm just, I've been kept under, kept down. And, and Peter is saying, no, at the proper time, exaltation will come your way. And that means that there is an improper time. And sometimes we, we want God to do things on, 
on our timeline, which I think is the improper time. Um, and, and, and very likely the exaltation that Peter's referring to here may not even happen in your lifetime. Okay, there's a little bit of, a, uh, of an eschatological reversal that he's referring to here. What do I mean by that? Well, actually, you know, Peter has re referenced a few times, uh, you know, the day, the fact that Christ is going to return and, and you know, we can long and, and endure suffering because of that day. So he's, he's making that point again. One of the promises Jesus made that in the last day, he said that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In other words, the last, the, the humble, actually this reversal will take place when he comes back, that actually the humble will be exalted, the last shall be first, and the first, the, the, those who are proud, uh, will be last. They will be, um, they will be um, at the back. And the, and the humble will be in the front. And so that's the proper time that you and I can hang on to. We can humble ourselves under his mighty hand and trust that at the proper time, he will uh, uh, you know, vindicate us and, and bring us through. Um, and, and I'm trying to just you know, take this, this sense of humility you know, from sort of the abstract, because uh, even Monday night, you know, Ryan, one of our leaders, was sharing from this passage saying, you know, when, when you just told, be humble, sometimes it's like, well, how do I do that? What does humility look like? And uh, you know, as I mentioned, sometimes people think it's like you, 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 you turn inwards, you're all self-deprecating, or woe is me, or I'm nothing. And yeah, you know, there's some truth to that, but that's actually not necessarily um, how Peter says uh, you, you should go about it. He, he doesn't just tell you to be humble. He also shares some tips here as to how to humble yourself. And it's a strange one because if you, if you keep reading, he's basically saying, don't worry. That's, that's what he's saying. You know, humility in, in a Christian's life looks li like this. There's, 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 a, there's a lack of anxiety. There's, there's, you know, worry is missing. What, how does that work? Well, to humble yourself under God's mighty hand, I think also means that you have God's hand under your worries and anxiety, anxieties. So there's a sense that when you humble yourself under his hand, you're also putting your anxieties and your worries into this capable mighty hand of God. And as we continue to read, maybe you thought, this is very strange, he's talking about humility here, and, uh, and then he jumps to the devil. Like he talks about the devil being our adversary and prowling around like a roaring lion wanting to devour us. What's going on there? Well, I, I think he's giving us a clue as to what I've, I'm referring to. Uh, because Satan's strategy, obviously, is to, is to fake it. You know, he, he, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the only lion that can genuinely devour, you know, the only one who could, who could uh, actually cast someone's soul into, into inter, eternal judgment, the only one that we should ultimately fear. Um, and so Jesus is the lion of Judah. And we're not to fear the fake lion, the one who's only like a lion, you know, uh, wanting to devour us. Um, and, and his strategy to devour us and to deceive us in that devouring is to let the concerns and the cares, uh, uh, let those things overwhelm us in a sense, uh, get, getting us to carry them instead of getting God to carry them. Because remember, he says that we should cast our anxieties on him because God cares for us. And so Satan, his strategy, his way of devouring us like a fake lion, uh, is that he's hoping that, first of all, we'll be terrified in our suffering. And now we've already referred to this suffering in particular 
for being a Christian, for following Jesus, for swimming upstream in this culture. And, you know, he's wanting us to be overwhelmed and to be afraid uh, when those things happen and to doubt God's goodness when that kind of persecution comes our way. And so he wants us to be afraid and to be terrified when he opposes God in our lives through persecution and when the culture comes against us. But also to be tempted to sin in our anxiety. What do I mean by that? Uh, you know, when, when, we, when, we, um, when we worry, uh, there is a sense that we exalt ourselves instead of God exalting us uh, and put ourselves in the place of God when we carry burdens uh, that God is supposed to carry. Uh, we, we say that we are able to do, I'm able to bear this load, I'm able to, to, to carry these concerns uh, better than God can. And that is, that is actually a form of pride. It's, a, it's failure to trust God. And so Satan wins when we find ourselves anxious and worried about our futures and worried about what's, you know, what's going on in our lives uh, as a result of, of following Jesus. He, he wins when we are anxious and uh, we put ourselves, in a sense, in the place of God. And so, you know, he devours us through those concerns, those anxieties, those worries. And, and so in many ways, anxiety is like anti-humility, if you can understand what, I, what I'm saying. Because we all know what happens when we're crazy anxious. First of all, we make ourselves the center of a story when we're anxious. We, 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 we think it's all about us and we're unable to see uh, others uh, around us, perhaps going through some tra troubles as well. We can just see our own troubles. We, it's like we're the center of the universe when anxiety gets a hold of us. And, and that's why I believe uh, Peter writes here about, um, uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, resist the enemy, stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. And there's a sense that he's saying, listen, uh, don't forget that you're not alone here, that actually others are going through tribulations and persecutions uh, as well. It's not only you. Uh, um, uh, don't forget your brothers. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've got these two uh, uh, bracelets on, on my right hand. Uh, and the one here, this colorful one, this is um, by, uh, uh, by Live Village, which is in South Africa. It's an orphan village where uh, orphan kids uh, receive a forever home. Um, and we support them as a church. Um, and um, my wife and I, we also serve on, on the uh, Canadian board for that organization. And it reminds me, you know, that there's others uh, out there, children who are fatherless, you know, who are orphaned, um, and, uh, and, and, and how privileged I am. Um, but, but the one I want to draw your attention to is actually this other one. It kind of looks like a barbed wire, and at the top it says, One with Them. And this is actually given to me by uh, Open Doors Canada. It's an organization that advocates for the persecuted church uh, in other parts of the world. Um, and it reminds me that there are brothers and sisters out there that are, are going through similar and most certain more severe persecutions as a result of being Christ followers, as a result of making Jesus their Lord. You see, I don't want to go through trouble and think that it's, you know, and just think I'm, I'm, I'm at the center of the story. I want to constantly be reminded, no, there's others who are also in trouble uh, and, and often worse trouble than, than I am in. Um, and so uh, this, that's one way of remaining humble. The other way is is, is not to believe the lie that your particular suffering is also unique. You know, so you can make yourself at the center, but then you can also believe the lie that actually, you know, um, there's no one else uh, going through it or going through what I'm going through. Um, and actually, he's saying, 
that brothers uh, across the world are going th through the same kinds of suffering. So he's saying that it's not that you're suffering on your own, but it also that your suffering isn't unique. You know, don't, don't actually think too ha more highly of yourself than you ought to in terms of persecution. Understand that there's actually others who are going through uh, trials as well and the same trials as you. And I, I think you can get, take great comfort in that as well. You know, I, I, you know, I think of, of, uh, of times when I found myself walking alone, maybe through a dark alley or, or a woods, woody, woodsy area. Um, and, you know, you're always kind of a little bit on edge um, and uh, worried as to well, you know, what might jump out at you. Uh, but as soon as you add another person to the mix, same environment, you know, dark and, and desolate, but just because there's someone else walking along with you, there's somehow you've got more courage, you know, for some, for, some, for some reason you feel like you can actually endure the scary moment because somebody's going through it with you. Um, and actually the Satan wants to rob you from that joy by making you think that you're unique and you're alone in your suffering. Um, and actually, of course, if you both are going through uh, something that's genuinely painful and difficult, there's just, there's just endurance that comes with the fact that knowing that somebody is suffering with you. And you know, this ultimately points to our wonderful Savior, Jesus, who genuinely did suffer uh, uh, and went before us. And so when we go through difficult things as a result of following Him, we know that He can sympathize with us. He can stand with us. We are not alone in it. He cares for us. As the scripture says, cast your cares upon him, your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. We know the proof of God's love for you and me is actually ultimately seen in Jesus, the coming of Jesus, living our life, dying our death in our place for our sins. He suffered as well. And so, you know, if you, if you get this, something amazing happens. Maybe you, you have doubted the goodness of God. And I want to say to you, this verse is true. God cares for you. He, he really is so much so that he's inviting you to cast your concerns and your cares and your worries upon him. He cares for you. Don't believe the lie that he does not. And something incredible happens when you take that truth into the center of your life. When we cast our cares on the one who cares for us, you know what happens? Then we are freed up to care for others. Let me say this again. When we cast our cares on the one who cares for us, we are freed up to care for others. Like, you know, there's like the sense that this anxiety doesn't cripple us to the extent where, you know, um, we are at the center of our story. We start to see beyond our own lives and see others. And that brings me to the second trajectory of humility. The first one is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The second one is humble, you know, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. You know, C.S. Lewis was right. You know, he wrote this about humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. You know, that kind of woe is me, self-deprecating thing. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So by implication, that means it is thinking of others more. Clothe yourself in humility toward others. Can you see the trajectory is also towards others? And uh, when you consider other people's needs, that's like biblical humility, not thinking of yourself, but thinking of others. When you consider the needs of others, in many ways, I believe that is a weapon against worry. When you do that, something profound happens. The burden in your own life does genuinely get lifted because it's placed in the mighty hand of God as you humble yourself underneath the mighty hand of God. It is an amazing thing when, when you take God at his word. And when you surrender those cares and concerns into his hand.
And so I want to invite you um, to put this into practice, even now, this week, most certainly. How can you put this into practice? Maybe you have actually been someone who's pretty self-absorbed in the suffering that you find yourself in. And in doing so, you have not noticed the sufferers around you. You have not been uh, empathetic uh, or, or caring towards others when they needed you to be because you, you've actually taken on the burdens in your life yourself and you've not cast yourself uh, um, or place yourself under the, the, the mighty hand of God, the mighty hand who's able to turn it around, who's promised that he would do that. And in doing so, putting your concerns into his mighty hand. And in doing so, you have forgotten to notice those that, uh, that need your love and need your care. Perhaps that is you. You need to do that. And maybe repent, saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I've actually exalted myself. I'm actually guilty of pride. And I humble myself once again. Uh, and in doing so, would you open my eyes to see others? Help me to think of myself less and think of others more. Not to think less of myself because I'm your son, I'm your daughter, I'm loved by you. By you. you care for me, as this scripture says. So there's value, there's worth in me. But that doesn't mean I'm super strong and I'm mighty. That means you are mighty. And so, you know, when we humble, this is beautiful tension that the gospel brings, that in humility, we also have confidence that we're his sons and we're his daughters. And, and he will pull, pull through, that the exaltation will be our end story. But we can endure the difficulties right now when we place those difficulties into his hands. And in doing so, our eyes open up to see others with difficulties. And you know, when we do, the way that we help them, okay, is often by just showing them how to put their cares and their concerns in the hands of our mighty God who cares for them. So that's, that's the way that we can do that. So uh, maybe you can even think about that for just a few moments, uh, you know, before we jump in or at the end of, of our service today. Um, but let me, let me move on to, you know, some of the other things that's referenced here. He, he, he talks about being sober-minded and being watchful now that you know the strategy of the enemy. Now that you know that he wants to, to kind of take you off at the ankles or at the knees, you know, through crippling anxiety and through, through sort of pride that is disguised and false humility, um, be, be sober-minded, be watchful. And so it doesn't mean that when you cast your cares upon Jesus that there's this passivity. Oh, I don't care. I don't worry. And I just sit back and relax. No, there's this activity that you, you are alert, you, you're sober-minded. And, and in doing so, recognizing those things, you are therefore firm in the faith, as he says. And in doing so, you are resisting this enemy. So in other words, you're active in the clothing of humility and you are active in the casting of your anxiety upon the one who cares for you. That is how you stand firm in the faith. That is how you are resisting the, 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 you know, the toothless line of, of the devil. Um, and to, and to be sober-minded, as he continues to explain here, is to have proper perspective on suffering, as I've mentioned, but also the timing of suffering. I love in verse 10, when he says, when you've suffered for a little while. It's kind of just like, just, just have proper perspective, just for a little while. Uh, and so... Uh, as I said, you know, this exaltation is very likely an eschatological moment where actually at the end when Jesus returns, um, you know, we'll look at the final sort of blessing over us in the verses here. This will take place. Um, that does mean that actually all of life could suck. Actually, all of life may be hard. And in the, you know, with the proper perspective of eternal glory in comparison to, to eternity, actually, it's nothing. It's brief. So it's suffering for a little while, as he says over here. It's, it's, it's having proper perspective 
on the timing and of course perspective on the suffering as I mentioned not alone it's not unique and I think that's why you know the last verse here talks about the dominion of God forever and ever he's trying to make this comparison between these temporary momentary afflictions and the eternal glory that is to be ours and so you know he, he concludes in verse 10 by saying that um, after the suffering for a little while this God of all grace uh, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, uh, um, confirm, strengthen and establish. So first of all, this personal aspect here, isn't that amazing? That God himself, very personal, that when you experience God's presence in the middle of these things, it's, it's so personal. It's like the one who called you. In other words, you heard his voice. Uh, and you know his nearness, his presence. God himself is the one. You know, he's not going to subcontract it to others. You know, uh, you get a few angels to do it, but you get a sense that, that God himself, uh, close and near. Here are these promises that he lives. He himself will restore you. Uh, and, and that speaks of, of being repaired. You know, if we're broken, he's the one who will repair. Uh, re restoring speaks of resupplying. So like if, 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 if the hardships suck the life out of you, he will inject the life back into you. There's a restoration and a resupply that happens. There's the God himself will confirm you, okay? And uh, I was trying to think of like an analogy, um, you know, to confirm uh, is often to make sure you know, sometimes we have to confirm at the end of a document, we have to check a box saying, yeah, I confirm that I've double checked everything. And if I press submit here, I'm not going to be surprised at any of the small print, maybe that uh, that is on the other side of the submit button or the signature. Um, and so when God confirms, there's a sense that he's like, listen, I'm going to make sure that you don't forget anything. Like I'm going to remind you, you're going to not going to forget that you are my son, that you are my daughter, that, 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 uh, that you are saved, that you are born again, that you are made alive, that you are in the light and not in the dark there's this 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 confirmation that God himself will bring and and then he says strengthen too uh, you know actually this verb is only ever used over here in the New Testament so there's nothing I can compare it to somewhere else but I just thought about to be strengthened uh, is something that is there is always follows somebody that's weak or something that's weak you only strengthen something that's not as strong. <laughs> That's a little weak. And so if there's, if there's weakness, um, maybe, maybe you're going through hardships and trials and, and yes, you feel weak. God himself will strengthen you. That's a promise. And he will establish you. Uh, again, it might feel like uh, this wants to knock you off of your feet and, 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 and destabilize you. Uh, some of the, some of the suffering and the hardships uh, and and um, and he's saying no 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 you will be established by God himself he will plant you there's a sense that he will set you firmly he will lay a foundation around you and the, these four verbs um, are, are maybe connected to what we can experience at the the exaltation of the the ones who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God uh, perhaps uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that we experience moments of these things in our in our lives as we continue to keep ourselves uh, under his hand and and our anxieties inside of his hand I know for myself I've experienced this restoration this confirmation the strengthening and this establishing by his spirit as I've continued to trust him through every season that I go through 
And so I want to encourage you to hold on to these divine promises. Again, they are in Christ. And so if you're a Christian, he says, you know, these, he has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The way to these things, friends, maybe you're listening and you're not a Jesus follower, you're not a Christian, and you want these things. You're like, yes, I don't want to be anxious. Yes, I want God to be on my side. I want to say to you, there's only one way, and that's to be in Jesus. That is to, to accept the, the, um, the free gift that he offers you, what he's done for you, is to make Jesus your Lord, to make Jesus your Savior. When you are in Christ, everything that we are talking about here is ours, and it can be yours. I want to encourage you. And if you are a Christian, don't, don't forget these things. You know, read them, put them up on your fridge, in your car somewhere. Um, and in doing so, I think we can all end off. I'm done right now. I know it's maybe shorter than usual, but um, verse 11 uh, is a doxology. It's just like a, a mini statement of praise. And, 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 uh, and I want to agree with Peter here, and maybe you can agree with me uh, that to him, this Jesus, our, our God, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's like this final statement saying that he is in charge. He has dominion. Uh, and, uh, and because it's forever and ever, you, you, you have the proper perspective right now. You can get through uh, whatever, it is, whatever it is you need to get through. And actually, you can trust yourself uh, under his mighty hand. You can humble yourself because uh, he has dominion and, and that means he is king, his Lord, but he is a good God. He is a God who cares for you. And so you are not going to be crushed under his mighty hand. You will be carried by his mighty hand. I trust you. I am encouraged by that. That's all from me.